It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Wednesday, and we're back. Rainy Jay's back with the vengeance. Back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. Ooh. This is the truth like 34. Yeah. It's like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. The crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily. Mainly podcast royalty, the content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings, 17 banners. Yeah. Way up in the rafters, J. King, John Corrales, and Sam Jam Packard. Focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it, got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, that's the best way. We are back, baby! We're back! It's We're John back. Corrales, it's Jay King, it's Jim Packard. Samuel Jamison Packard the back third. Back on the block with them home. That's right, Samuel Jamison Packard the third. It's been such a long time. I don't even remember how to do an intro for all of us. I, want, I, I feel compelled to sing Baby on Board on the rooftop. Just call Jay me. doesn't get that reference. Yes, right away. <laughs> Making references. Yeah, Jay I, I definitely didn't understand. get that one. Sweet Simpson bro. references for everybody. Uh, hey, all right. So <laughs> it's like the good old days. <laughs> so we're all back together for one of those. Hey, we're gonna we're on different networks now, but we're still gonna podcast when we want to. So here's how it's gonna go. First podcast. Like half an hour is going to be, let's look back on everything that we saw this season. And second podcast, which will be the potable, anything is potable podcast, will be the look forward. Does it sound good to you guys? Yeah. All right. Works for the kit. <laughs> All right. So let's give the people what they want. This, uh, this is a treat, though. I think the people thought we were engaged in some sort of blood war, but... Oh, I wonder why people thought there was beef. If so, only one of us was just very pro-beef and beef forward. I don't know how people got that impression. I would argue Corrales took the beef to another level. Uh, he embraced the beef more than I did even. I Well, yes. I thought it would be great to kind of play up the the beef. You know what I, mean? I, feel, like, I feel like it even got, got a little serious at times on Twitter. Like, um, I mean, when it's you told me serious. you were going to block me... When you told me you were going to block me on Twitter, I think I think there was a little seriousness. Oh, you there. thought you? Th- <laughs> well, the funny thing is that I have blocked you since then. So that's uh, tough. I that's will never recover. <laughs> but he has uh, burner accounts that do follow you, so it's yes, basically the same. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a wide network of Durant like burner accounts, so I'm always I've always got eyes and ears on everything. The Rain and Jays ride again, boys. Yeah, I know. The only thing I only wish we could be in the same room crushing a case like we normally would. Uh, but it's all There's right. There's always Summer League. That's true. Woo. That is true. You're going to get some of that Summer Woo. League action together. Uh, <laughs> so, That's jam out in the wild. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, all right. So let's do this. Let's get this thing going. And let's talk to uh, let's talk about what we saw this season. Uh, I actually, we're gonna, we're gonna I know get, Jay, you we're going to get back it. all the way, all the important development, uh, everything from the, like game to game. You want to go and review our game to game podcast? <laughs> and let's just let's go not game revisit by game that one. 
Jay, yeah. let's. Uh, what do you remember from that podcast? <laughs> let's not revisit that one, boys. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you remember doing that podcast? Yeah, of course. Uh, so I, I, I was I was listening to some of the uh, Anything Is Potable podcast. I know Jay, you don't listen to us or me or anything, but I do I listen, listen to, to no podcast. I'm not a yeah. podcast guy. It's <laughs> it's funny that that you're not a podcast guy, but anyway. So, uh, I know you guys did a little bit of uh, grading and all of that stuff, but and I know that we're all in agreement here that this season has been basically a best case scenario. So we, let let's go back. If you want to go back to the beginning, I think the thing that stands out most from the beginning till now is the obvious progression of Jason Tatum, where the beginning has been like that was trying to attack the rim at all costs at all times and then failing. And I feel like he he's gone through these stages over the course of the season. Like after that, he stopped that and went through a a floater phase. And then after the floaters, he kind of started to put together all the different elements of everything that he was trying. And now here we are getting into the final third of the season where Tatum is, is, is playing his most complete basketball. Yeah, over the last 14 games, he's averaging like 26.6 points per game, seven rebounds a game, three assists a game on like 50% shooting and 45% from the arc. He's just been <laughs> ridiculous. What, what are you, you just laughing had, about? You just had those stats on the ready or were you like reading from something? You just knew that off the top of the dome? I knew that off the top of the dome, yeah. Uh, I'm impressed. <laughs> you just dropped some uh, some serious knowledge there. When do you I guys pre- think it like clicked for Tatum though? Because he's clearly been like – that much better. He had those like definitely had those struggles with making layups. John, you mentioned the floater phase, which I think was, was kind of short lived. But it feels like he like with the Clippers game, he announced like I am here. That was clearly the best game of his season. But he's been on this stretch here, and the team's been on this stretch here. But I don't remember a specific moment where it's like oh, Tatum's put it all together. It kind of just felt like he arrived. Maybe the Pelicans game where they blew him out by thirty, where he scored I think forty points. But I don't. I can you guys think of a specific moment where it was like, oh, he's making the leap this year. I I can't think of like one specific game. I mean, maybe maybe it was that forty-one point game against the Pelicans, um, where where he put it. That might be the game where he started to put it all together. He had a couple of bad shooting nights in between then, uh, but since then, and I'm just looking at his box scores now. After that game where he dropped 41, he only had two games where he scored less than 20 points, where his box scores kind of dotted with a lot of those 15, 16, 17 point games before that. So if you want to look for a flashpoint, I think that that career high game is is the beginning of it. Uh, but I don't think that was like the, oh, I get it now. I think it's just he slowly kind of put things together, and that was just like the final, like, all right, it's it's starting to realize, but I think more lately he's been more dominant than he was even in that game, if that makes any sense. Like, that he had that game, but that was like a hot shooting game. I think he's had much more dominant games recently where he's just, he feels like the number one guy, uh, but hasn't scored as many points. Yeah, and let's be clear about this. This is the most important long-term development for the Celtics. Oh, yeah. The most most important short-term one 
was probably Kemba Walker fitting in and lifting up all of the younger teammates and Gordon Hayward like he has. I think that was really important short, short term and getting all the four stars plus Marcus Smart on the same page. For the long term, Jason Tatum's development means more than just about everything. And they need him to be that two-way force that he has been over the last month plus. I'm with I'm with John on this one. It felt like the beginning of the season, he, like, he just missed a lot of layups and he was kind of stumbling as he learned how to run pick and rolls and adapt to his higher usage, his new role being one of the primary creators for the first time. And ever since then, it's just kind of been gradual until lately. And I think maybe getting voted to the all-star team has something to do with it. When he kind of realized, like, I've always wanted to be the man, but now I kind of am the man. And he's played like it lately. Ever since that all-star... You know what? That's that's a good wh- point. That's a good point. Once he once he got named that, that all-star, he responded by playing awesome in just about every game since. Yeah, and he, and he was really good like leading up to that, probably like a week or two before at least. But once that happened, it's been like almost every night. And even the Houston game, which was like one of his rare duds offensively since then, he had like four steals. He made a ton of really good defensive plays. And he's just kind of impacted the game in all sorts of ways since then. And he's been super efficient while doing it. And, I mean, he's taking like eight threes a game over this last month and change and making three and a half of them at like 44.5%, which is really, really tough to do, especially for a 6'8 guy. And when a 6'8 guy can handle the ball like he does and shoot like he does, it just puts a lot of pressure on the defense. And so he's becoming the player everybody kind of envisioned him becoming when he had the breakout in the 2008 playoffs. It just didn't happen right away. And it took him time to round into it. And I don't think that's really surprising when you look at all the factors that have gone into it. But he's kind of delivering on the promise that he showed a couple years ago and just doing it every night consistently for the last month and change. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. 
Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Boston Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Yeah, I'm going to play the role I don't normally play on this podcast. I'm going to be the skeptic. Ooh, the skeptic. Um, the whoa. Tatum skeptic. Tatum doubter, hater. It's not Tatum <laughs> doubter. I think it's just like Celtics. Hey, they hey, were hey, playing. hey, hey, hey. Yes? Yeah, sorry. Oh, hate. I thought you were saying hey, like hey, stop. Hate, yeah, hate, no, hate, 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 hate. Oh, I thought you were saying hello, role. too. <laughs> okay, <laughs> glad we cleared that up. I'm <laughs> just looking at the schedule, like the recent wins. They have wins against the Warriors, the Hawks, the Magic. Like, they they are they as good as like basically they're playing right now? They've won twelve over the last fourteen, but it's like is it just playing a relatively easy schedule? I mean, they had solid wins against the Thunder, but it was a close game, a close game against the Clippers. But then the kind of the rest of the schedule has been pretty easy. You have Grizzlies, Magic. They lost the Pelicans. Uh, beat the Heat, which I just didn't think the Heat were the are that good uh, or not that good in that game. Then Warriors, Hawks, Magic Hawks. Like, are are we buying too much into kind of the Celtics because they're playing a, a lighter part of their schedule, coming off kind of a crazy January? Well, I mean, I, you can look at it and say they they're playing lesser competition. You got to play the teams that are in front of you. Uh, when we look at the Raptors and and say, "Wow, look at the Raptors go!" I mean, they had they had the same kind of thing. And uh, I think it's we're in so deep we we can have that skepticism. Um, I I don't I don't think that it's uh, I don't think that that's every every reason why they're playing well. I mean, they, they still have to go out there and beat these guys. And specifically with Tatum, he still has to go out there and hit those shots. So, um, I think that he's, they're doing what they're supposed to do. And Tatum is doing what he's supposed to do. And it's something that he hasn't done in the past. Now he's doing it. They're doing it. And you can't deny the fact that the lighter schedule has contributed to a big string of wins, but at the same time, they're doing what they're supposed to do, and mixed into that, they have some quality wins, uh, especially recently. Yeah, counterpoint to, to Jam, and I, I think probably some of the hype has gotten a little overboard now, and I think Tatum is probably bound for a little regression after the All-Star break. He's not going to outplay Kawhi Leonard every time they play the Clippers, but how many guys could have the month that he just had? where he's averaging 27 points a game on really good efficiency, making a lot of threes, getting steals, getting blocks, playing good defense, rebounding the basketball. There just aren't a lot of guys who could have the month that he just have against any run of schedule. And I think that we probably shouldn't overlook the fact that even if he's playing the 10 worst teams in the league twice each, then the the month that he had was just really, really impressive. Yeah, no, I buy in. I, I the skepticism. Ooh, buy in, really, but ske- skeptical buy in. No, I'm not. I'm not even skeptical anymore. It just it felt weird and dirty doing it. I mean, he's he's been great. I would say he's like pretty much, uh, he's cracking the All NBA discussion at this point, and it's kind of insane just because we haven't even talked about like Jay's talked about Kemba Walker's like willingness to fit in, but we haven't even talked about Jalen Brown making the leap, um, who's also just been 
that much better than he was in previous years. And it's kind of wild, all the pieces that are coming together for the Celtics right now. I mean, they had the stretches with Hayward was down. And I kind of, like, in a weird way, think, like, the the injuries, I don't want to say they were helpful, but, like, it allowed other guys to kind of step up and kind of get their footing. And um, they've kind of been able to deal with all of that because guys have been had their time to shine. And I just think it's kind of wild that, we're talking about this huge leap that Jason Tatum's make, but in this same season, we've seen Jalen Brown not make as much of a leap, but clearly is so much better than he's ever been and completely changed his game in a way that just to get like, this is the cornerstone of the franchise and to get both of those guys clicking in the same year is, is absolutely wild. I like how you transitioned it to the Jalen talk. That was well done. That's because I'm, I'm a host on my own now, and I got I got to step up. I can't rely on John anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I will also say that was well done. Uh, and look, Jalen's Jalen's uh, ascension there has also been been huge. Uh, I I think that what we're seeing is again we go back to the whole best case scenario, but Jalen has kind of filled in a lot of the gaps for the Celtics really well. And he's learned and put together a, a pretty complete game of his own. And we were kind of seeing these guys rise and show us exactly how they fit together because Jalen is the guy that's going to attack and he's the guy that's going to take advantage of when you blitz Kemba or when you blitz Tatum. And he's, he's learned how to be patient with his offense and find his spots, attack those spots, and and really that patience to pull the ball out when something's not there and work it around and understand that he's going to get that opportunity again. That might be the biggest development for Jalen because he'll go on stretches. Well, he'll have a 15-point quarter, but I don't see him as often driving and just recklessly throwing himself into the into the air and when he has his bad games that's when he kind of reverts to it but mostly we've seen him be patient and efficient and willing to give the ball up and make as Brad says the next right play much more than he has throughout the 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 rest of his career yeah that's been the most obvious thing and some of it has been like being super patient on drives so that drives that he would have made in the past and made a bad decision by going up. Now he's like stopping, head faking, waiting yeah. for a guy to go the wrong way, playing through contact. He's just gotten so much better around the rim. And I, I think in a weird way to me, Jalen's season this year has made his last year look even better, which is weird because obviously he had a disappointing year. He didn't make the jump that a lot of people anticipated last season. He had a really bad start, ended up coming off the bench. But this is a guy who averaged, I believe, more than 18 points in the playoffs in 2018. He was asked to come off the bench last year. He was clearly in a role that didn't showcase all of his strengths. And he just kind of kept at it. And by the end of the season, he was playing good basketball in that minor role. And, you know, he averaged 18 points in the playoffs two years ago. He's averaging 20 points per game now. He was clearly capable of doing more last season. And you didn't hear much complaining from him. He just kind of kept his head down and did it. And now this year, he show, show, the benefits of his work off the court are showing. 
and and he's able to show all the improvements that he thought he had made for last year. So in like a weird, weird way, it's validated his attitude about last season. And but last season was just weird, wasn't it? Just so. What weird. do you well, think his What do you think his reaction to Kyrie becoming VP of the Players Union was? <laughs> I'm sure he was very excited about it. <laughs> very, I'm very hyped. I'm sure. I wonder if Kyrie will let the, the young guys have uh, some input. <laughs> <laughs> Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Lockdown Celtics on Instagram. Working Kemba back into this, because I recently wrote that Kemba and, and Tatum were the right guys for one another. Like the timing was perfect, but you can throw Jalen into this mix. And I don't think it's a coincidence that those two have taken big steps forward when when Kemba's been here. And you touched on it earlier, Jay, and you know, I want to get your opinion on it, Sam, where Kemba has come in and obviously signed a max contract to be kind of like the guy, but he has said on multiple occasions that this is Jalen and, and Jason's team. It's their team. And he is, you know, he came into the season saying, I want my usage rate to drop. And it's actually dropped below Jason Tatum's now. And he's very willing to take a step back, but he's so good that he can come in and it's like, all right, I'm, I'm going to go off and hit these three straight three-pointers because you need me to bail you out right now, and he can turn it on like that. But his willingness to take that step back and let Jalen and Jason kind of be who they are and and thrive and encourage them, most importantly, encourage them to keep growing, keep doing it, don't worry if you miss, don't worry if you've had a bad game, keep going. I think that's a huge element that mixed with the added opportunity mixed in with their own individual hard work. You throw in a teammate like Kemba with Kemba's resume and his willingness to kind of step back and let them be. Those those really combine to make this a perfect kind of best case scenario for them this season. Yeah, I think John Schumann pointed out an interesting stat in his latest piece for NBA.com, which is that last year Kyrie was third in the league in clutch usage rate. At 42%, 0.8%, which is a massive number, like just a massive usage rate in the clutch. This year, Kemba's at 30.6, Tatum's at 25.8. So the ball, especially in the most important possessions, is being shared more often than it was last year. And I think that stat shows Kemba's willingness to just step aside when it matters most because Kyrie wasn't doing that. Kyrie was not seeding the, the stage in those minutes, in the prime time touches, no matter who had it going, it was going to be Kyrie's time. And he was fantastic at it. His clutch numbers were insane. He was really good at it. Don't get me wrong. But I, I think Kemba has just, like, he loves playing with good players for the first time in his life. And and he enjoys Tatum and Brown's rise, and he knows how important that is for the Celtics. And he just seems to genuinely enjoy when his teammates succeed. And not that Kyrie didn't want that, too, but he wasn't willing to go out of his way to to help with that and the way Kemba has. So that, that's been huge. And Kemba, like, I think part of it too is just the roster makeup, which probably gets lost in the shuffle a lot, is that last year they had nine, ten guys who thought they were capable of doing more. This year they have five guys who are clearly everything is going to be built around and then a bunch of dudes who know they're just there to play a certain role. And I think that matters, like, 
when Danny Ainge looked at this team before the season, he said, I know we're going to fit. I know we're going to have good chemistry. The question now is whether we have enough talent. And I think, I don't whether it was a conscious effort by him to put together guys that he knew wouldn't need the ball, want the ball, but this team is clearly built around the core players. And the other guys just kind of try to stay out of the way and do, do work in the shadows. And it, it's it's made a lot of sense for them. It's helped them out during the regular season at least. How important do you think the chemistry on this team is? And it feels like kind of like a silly question, but I don't know. You guys have been doing this longer than I have. But in terms of Celtics teams I've been around, uh, I mean, the winning certainly helps. But this feels like a team that has uh, the most amount of fun and is like – seems to enjoy uh, each other's company and uh, clearly it's like easier to have that better chemistry when you're winning but like it clearly feels like this team uh, enjoys playing together and I mean we can't even really compare it to Kyrie last year because that was just as Jay mentioned just like a, a clusterfuck basically uh, for the entire <laughs> season but even like the Isaiah teams like it was fun uh, Isaiah being like a Mr. Fourth Quarter but those teams I don't think gelled uh, or had as much fun as it feels like this team's having. And so I just like, it just feels like something that's notable at this team. I don't know if it's like you can say it's like caused them to play better, but it just feels like it's something that definitely stands out in terms of this Celtics compared to prior Celtics teams. I I think that matters most when basketball adversity hits. Yeah. Like, like last year, the Celtics won the first five, their first five playoff games. They swept the Pacers. They beat the heck out of the Bucs in game one. Everything was going great. They were flying high. They were saying all the right things. And then they got punched in the mouth, and they never got back up. And they just kind of folded. And by game three, I think it was, like, they were getting beat by the Bucks bench. It was like Sterling Brown, George Hill, Pat Connaughton just running them out of the gym. And when things went wrong, they didn't stay together. They didn't – they fractured. I think this team, uh, like – the habits are better. It's not just all chemistry. It's like habits. Every possession, their habits are better. Their their defensive habits are better. They're offensively looking for the right shots more often than not. They're like it's not just a happiness thing. It's it's actual basketball things that that impact it. And last year, I think they just weren't built to to withstand any bad things happening. Like every time bad things happen, they retreated into a shell. This year, maybe things go differently if things go wrong in a playoff series because of that. Now, I think it's a combination of both. I think it's a combination that the the fit, like Jay, you said about you know, building around core five guys and and especially four main scorers uh, that that's a big deal because that contributed to last year. I mean, I don't, how many times last year did I say something about a hierarchy? They needed a hierarchy. Because when you're sitting there in any workplace and things aren't getting done the way they should, how many times do people say, screw this, I'm just going to do it myself. I'm going to get this done and, and take care of it. And when you do that on a basketball court, you see what, you, what, what happened last year. But the happiness thing also factors into it because you saw like last year's Kings, this year's Grizzlies, last year's Nets. Teams that are not supposed to be quite as good, they're all happy and dancing and joking on the sidelines. When you That lets you play free. And I don't know how many wins that's good for. Uh, it's it's good for playing better basketball. It's good for playing a more connected basketball when you're not like pissed off all the time. And maybe that wins you a couple of games here and there. But when you've got the talent that the Celtics do and you've got that, 
that that's good. It's going to pump you up at least a little bit. It's good for, like you said, Jay, pulling you out of a malaise, somebody stepping up and, and, and working together in a fourth quarter to come back or prevent a, a collapse. So I think talent, obviously, number one. Fit on the court is number one. And I'll, th- I'll roll Gordon Hayward into this conversation now yep. because not just Kemba, it's Gordon's willingness to make all the right plays, even if he's sacrificing his own scoring. I mean, sometimes he has those bad games, those bad shooting nights, but two guys, the two young guys that needed two vets like Kemba and Gordon, like that's super important as well. Yeah, Hayward, and what's what's really important about him, first of all, there were still questions about him coming into the season, whether he could play really well again after the injury. People still have questions about his foot. Yeah, I mean, he well, he's, he still has the he still has foot pain. So I mean, there is still like the, I he called it nerve damage. He he expects it to be a problem or at least something that he has to deal with. I don't know if it's a problem is the right word, but deal with and play through. It, like it feels like that's going to be a thing for him now. But that that's yeah, but more there, of a like, pain. There were questions. Issue. There were questions this season about whether he could, how much of his form he could regain. Right. And those questions don't exist anymore. He's obviously the fourth option on this team, but part of that is just because he's not as naturally aggressive looking for a shot as the other guys. And the Celtics need somebody who's going to be aggressive about hunting the right play. And Hayward, no matter what his stats are, no matter what the situation in the game is, he's hunting the right play. And I think that's really important, especially like Tatum can get a little too aggressive at times looking for his own offense. Obviously, Kemba's a scorer. Obviously, Jalen Brown has taken a real strides. So to have Hayward as this fourth option who just wants to make the right play all the time and who's been super efficient in that role, that's been two a really big daddy. deal. <laughs> Two-point daddy indeed. So I think that's been a big deal. And he doesn't get as much of the credit as Tatum, Brown, and Walker do He's never going to be a guy who searches that spot for that spotlight. Sometimes I think his contributions go overlooked, and and the efficiency that he's played with this season gets overlooked. And if only there was members of the media with a massive following who could highlight his good play. <laughs> but then yeah. that then you would be accused of being an apologist. Why are you constantly apologizing for this guy? There's something that I just got recently, which uh, in the. Uh, in the double OT win over the Clippers. before oh, where he was really good in overtime? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got, like, at the end of regulation, I got the, oh, we got a no-show from Gordon on Twitter. And then, like, the two overtimes happened, and you're like, um, yeah, he just had, like, 21 or whatever he had in that game. And awesome. Like, he, he basically took over in the second overtime. But that that's that's Gordon's lot in life. That he's he's kind of assumed that mantle from Al Horford that there are just going to be haters and the good games get ignored, but the second he has like a one for eight shooting night, they all come flying out of the woodworks. And sometimes the gender reveal just turns out you have another girl. You just gotta, <laughs> daddy's always happy. You just got to keep on moving. I have a, a big important question for you guys. That was a good I joke have, there, Packard. Thank you, Jay King. Very um, timely humor. Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, Big question. Two point Um, daddy's always happy. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh man, you just took it and made another joke. We're improvising here. Yes, yep. and. Um, <laughs> what do you guys think the most important <laughs> moment of the season has been so far? Because there's one correct answer. Um, I want to see if you guys have it figured out. Uh, is it the half court shot that missed and went directly in, in Houston that turned into a dunk? No, but that was a great moment. I think that's a, a junky <laughs> moment, but I don't think it's the most important moment. Important moment. Most important moment of the season. Jeez. When uh, Kemba signed? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, I, uh, tell me. What, 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 are you, what are you getting Sunday, January 19th, the Celtics have just lost six of their last eight, and Brad Stevens holds a non-traditional film session and has the uh, guys critique themselves. They come out with a huge win against the Lakers. They've won 12 of their last 14. Jay, you were talking earlier about kind of the basketball adversity. That was their lowest point of the season. And it was some Kaizen Jedi mind trick stuff where he's like, no, you guys learn what you need to do better. And it totally refocused the team. And like that, you talk about just like when you were talking about adversity, I was thinking like that's basically the biggest adversity the Celtics faced. And I love the idea of just like one film session solving everything. But I think that Lakers win was huge. I was going into that Lakers game thinking, man, they're going to get their absolute, their asses kicked. There's no chance. And for them to come out and kind of be like, rebring energy into the season and kind of continue to ride that energy. I mean, you got to give it up to that film session. Last year was the plane ride. This year, it's the film session. Soul film session. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, it, that that certainly was whatever happened in there. Certainly was something that that was beneficial. I think that happened to coincide with the the end of the worst part yeah. of their schedule because they they had two straight weeks where they had four games. Uh, yeah, in ten, seven, ten games in sixteen days is just it vicious. Was, it was just brutal, brutal, brutal. They had home road back to backs. They had just it was just a a horrible part of the schedule. They had just uh, lost to Phoenix, and they did need something. So that certainly was something. And whatever was done in there, we can now bring Brad Stevens into the conversation in his coaching job this season. Uh, that certainly helped. Uh, blowing out the Lakers. Granted, the Lakers may have, you know, they they had a a pretty rough day there, and and maybe they played into that uh, right team catching them at the right time. But that that did spark something. But they also went to like an every other day part of the schedule, and things sort of eased up. So I, I do think that that part of the schedule, that first three weeks of January, were were definitely complicit in their worst stretch of the season. Look at you guys embracing nuance. That's fantastic. That's great stuff. <laughs> so, uh, so one other question going into the season, obviously, was who the hell is going to play center and are they going to get, just get tortured at the center spot all year long? And we've talked a lot about how this this season has kind of been best case scenario or close to it in a lot of different ways. Like every question the Celtics needed to answer, they've answered in a positive fashion. And to get the production they've gotten out of Daniel Tice and Ennis well, you Cantor, only gave a B plus to my God. Damn it! I was gonna bad. I was gonna make the A minus joke there, and you took it from me. That is that's awesome, guys. Sweet bros. <laughs> but to, to get the production Sweet they've bros, gotten I, I out gave of him a shitty grade out of Tice Cantor and Robert Williams when he's been healthy and Grant Williams when he's been small ball five, that's been super important this year. Their defense has been fantastic. 
They are not allowing many points in the paint at all. And the center position, which a lot of people thought was going to be or had a chance to be a huge, huge issue for them this year, just hasn't been that at all almost any single game. You know, this this is the type of scenario where you you chime in and you say, you know, low-key Daniel Tice has been the most important player on this team because obviously there are other guys that are more important on this team, but that but, the, the low-key part is important. The, the low-key part is where you <laughs> kind of, right, you say, but honestly though, like the, the center spot was the one thing that everyone just kept talking about over and over and over and over again. And it, even as it, the season played along. People kept saying, "Like we still could use a center." We, st-. but Daniel Tice has kind of kept everything at bay. And for a guy that was essentially a third stringer last year, now also he's been dealing with. He had been dealing with injuries prior. Like last year, he was dealing with injuries. This year, he's been relatively healthy, uh, minus the you know, an ankle sprain here or there, but like no big knee thing, no, no lingering thing. And and he's, he's been, I think healthier than he's been in a couple of years. So the mobility is really maximized. And even Brad said coming into the season and, and, you know, kudos to Brad for like understanding this, that, that the continuity understanding what the Celtics were trying to do was more important than trying to kind of fit, some other kind of center in there, and, and it's it's paid off. His familiarity with the system and familiarity with these guys has allowed them to play much more cohesive defense than trying to work in another guy. Agreed. <laughs> okay. Uh, I miss I yeah. miss the awkward pauses when somebody agrees with me and has no idea what to say. That was always we, fun. Th- it was a good comment though. When we, when we have awkward pauses, you know that that's us. That's our that's our nod of support. Just a that's silent right. that's, nod of that's support. That's right. The silent like, oh, okay. The, I got nothing else to add. I the only that. thing that hasn't been like a resounding positive for the Celtics this year, I would say, has been JetBlue Flight Crew. No, not the JetBlue <laughs> Flight <laughs> Crew. You're supposed to be the JetBlue Flight Crew hype man. I give them honest feedback. They've it, actually been yeah. pretty fucking dope. Last year they struggled without Lucky. It was a joke. It was a joke. Jay, calm down. But, but lucky, no, I will not stand for slander of the JetBlue Flyker. But the the one thing that hasn't been like a resounding positive has been the bench. I think you know a couple of the rookies, Romeo Lankford and Carson Edwards, haven't shown too much yet. Vincent Poirier, his minutes have been rough at times. I think Grant Williams has a chance to be pretty good. He's been helpful. Shimmy Ojale has been Shimmy Ojale but just making like a little more of his three-point attempts. And Brad Wanamaker has been okay, but obviously they came into the season with a lot of questions on the bench, like just a bunch of dudes that hadn't really ever played legitimate NBA minutes before. I think Robert Williams has been really promising. I think Wanamaker has been solid, but there hasn't been like that one home run for them yeah, and maybe maybe one of the guys like maybe Grant Williams becomes that in in the playoffs. Maybe he knocks down shots and continues to play good defense. But they haven't had that like home run this year with any of their bench pieces. I think. 
Right. But well, isn't that because of injuries? That's exactly like, what I was going to say. Go because ahead. Marcus Smart has had to start a bunch of games, and so that that guy who gives you that spark off the bench should normally be Marcus Smart. But just and, and Cantor's had, had a really good bench. season. Cantor has. Like, obviously, he has his limitations, but for what he does, he kicks butt in his role. It's actually kind of wild. And Cantor has had a good season, but it's kind of wild how successful the Celtics have been given all of their injuries. They had to, like, they had the stretch where Hayward broke his hand. Jalen's missed a bunch of time. Kemba's been out with some kind of knee soreness. Kemba had that flu that knocked him out, uh, and the Celtics have kept rolling. So I think their their bench and their depth will be like look a little bit better if they are healthier. But you're right, like even as they like currently stand, they're really they're an eight like eight man rotation at best. But also injuries to Romeo Langford, who had like ten different things happen in the beginning of the season. Like every time he came back and was like, all right, let's give it a go. He sprained his knee. He rolled an ankle. Then he rolled that same ankle again, and it was just one after another after another. And he could never get a stretch of games under his belt that showed, okay, uh, we we should we should give him some time and give him some minutes. It's only been recently that Romeo's gotten into games, and he had a couple of games where it's like, wow, all right, I see it. Uh, and he's been playing much better defense than anybody anticipated, and hit a couple of shots that was nice considering his jumper seemed broken, you know, coming into the season. But the the timing of like he was the guy. That if any rookie was going to be like maybe scoring, you say, hey, 10, 12 points off the bench or something around that, like he was going to be the guy. And sure, we had injuries to everybody else, but his injuries at the beginning of the season played into this as well, where he could never seize an opportunity when Gordon spent the entirety of December basically on the bench uh, with with a broken hand, Romeo wasn't healthy enough to take advantage of that opportunity. And so it, it's it's kind of tough for him to be like the guy that steps up now and tough for the Celtics to go get a guy at the trade deadline or something like that because you still believe in Romeo Langford as maybe being a productive guy and you want to see that play out, but you don't want to bring somebody else in to take away that opportunity as well. So it's if there's any place that the injuries have have hurt the Celtics, it's it's this conversation right here because there there just hasn't been an opportunity for these guys to to come in and take these moments. And their bench like they have a lot of solid defenders. Wanamaker is a solid defender, Shimmy Ojale and Grant Williams are solid defenders. Like they they have options to play defense and be rugged and be tough. They just don't have much shooting on the bench. And like like Wanamaker's had a had a solid season. Don't get me wrong. He his stretch the first month or so of the season when the Celtics were really banged up was really important to get them off to a good start. Cantor, like I said, has had a solid season. He's limited in certain matchups, obviously, but has rebounded the heck out of the ball. They've been really good with him on the court. They have been good about picking the right situations for him. The, like, I think Grant Williams, he's obviously going to be a rotation guy for a long time. What that means his career looks like from now on, I'm not sure. But he's he was definitely a good draft pick where he was. And, like, it hasn't been a total disaster on the bench at all. But there just hasn't been that one home run, like, like Romeo Langford didn't come in and set the world on fire. Garson Edwards didn't come in as like a fireball thrower 
from the three-point arc. Vincent Poirier didn't come in as a solid center. Like Robert Williams, I think he's a really important variable for them, both short-term and long-term. He showed some things early on, but obviously he's been hurt a lot lately and can still is still prone to mistakes when he's on the court. So if you look at their playoff rotation, obviously their top five players are going to play a lot of minutes. Daniel Tice is going to play a lot of minutes. And they're not going to need the bench much, but like the question of who plays and how they play, whether it's Grant Williams, Ojale, Wanamaker, whoever's on that in that perimeter rotation, I think that's that's going to be important how they handle those like fifteen to twenty minutes for for that spot going into the playoffs. It, it sounds like we're starting to look forward to the rest Ooh. of the season. Ooh. So. Maybe this is the point where we transition from Lockdown Celtics to anything is potable. So as you heard at the beginning of the podcast and in the description that you probably read about the podcast, this is the point where the podcast continues tomorrow on the Anything is Potable podcast. So Wednesday, Lockdown Celtics. Thursday, Anything is Potable for the rest of the discussion in the reunion of the Rain and Jays. So check them out. They're on The Athletic. It's free now. And so check them out. And that's the reunion of the Rain and Jays. I'm back tomorrow with my own podcast, I guess, to compete with me on another podcast. Whatever. You can listen to two podcasts on Thursday. That's fine. Subscribe to the Locked On Celtics podcast if you haven't. Give us the five-star rating, the good written review. Share the podcast. Tell everybody, listen to the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.